Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legfold. Joining me today on Beneath the Wing, I'm pleased to have Staff Sergeant Taylor Staples. Taylor's a part of our medical group, but's currently working for our logistics branch, uh, doing something we refer to as guard bombing. Guard bombing. We'll get to that in just a bit. Taylor is an accomplished and published fiction author, just releasing her first book in a series called Kadia and the Dragon Tamers. Taylor, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Okay, let's talk about stereotypes because when people think of what the normal person in the military looks and acts like, they don't think a uh, fiction writer per se. I would definitely agree with that. They definitely see more strict and like by the book instead of having someone be able to build an entire fantasy world and have things that aren't usually. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, out there. <laughs> yeah. I, you don't fit our stereotype. I fit the stereotype. <laughs> Old, bald, white guy I it is kind of where I'm I'm sitting, and, and that's been the stereotype in the military is like the crabby, yep. <laughs> short hair guy. And um, you're not crabby. You don't have short hair, and you're not a guy. <laughs> so uh, let's explore that stereotype thing a little bit. Um First off, we're really fortunate to have you breaking the stereotype out here, part of the, the big family of the 133rd. How did you choose us in the Minnesota National Guard? Uh, it was actually part of uh, my dad's big plan. Um, we have a really big military family, and I was going back and forth about whether or not I wanted to, and he just kind of kept pushing. He's like, go Air Force. He's like, go Guard. So he's actually the one who took me to my first um appointment with a recruiter he walked me through the entire process and it's all kind of rolled from there <laughs> was your dad army yes Air? he was the army he was active duty army your active duty father steered you toward an Air international guard, guard yep <laughs> if, if i'm sure he's listening wise man yeah i agree <laughs> So you've been with us since about 2016, right? Yes. But you graduated from Cottage Grove High School. Uh, Park High School. Park High School in Cottage, in Grove, Cottage yes. Grove in about 2012. Yes. It took a little time for you to make up your mind and get to us. What were you uh, doing between then and 2016? I was actually a manager at the Hastings McDonald's for right. that period of time. So. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of value that comes. In fact, they have said that working at McDonald's is one of the best first jobs that anybody gets. It sounds like your best first job turned into it, a little bit longer. Yes, it definitely was my first job. Um, I definitely got a lot of uh, patience from there, dealing with some rather unpleasant customers. Um, I was able to get a lot of leadership. Uh, I ended up becoming a manager before I hit 18. So um, I was able to learn a lot and grow from there, um, have a lot of confidence about 
once I knew what to do, a lot of confidence about being able to train people and make sure that the job got done while still being lighthearted and fun. Yeah. So patience and confidence. Yes. Good leadership traits. Mm -hmm. What else did you learn that you've continued to carry on into your military career today? From McDonald's? Yeah. Um... It definitely helped that McDonald's was a store that needed to be clean consistently. So a lot of attention to detail about getting things clean. I was actually one of the biggest deep cleaners when it came to there. Uh, I would deep clean. I took things apart. I scrubbed. I made sure things were spotless rather than just like surface level clean. Mm -hmm. You've now become a non-commissioned officer, which means you're starting to lead people. Yes. Are these the values and characteristics that you're kind of bringing into the folks that you're supervising now? I'm trying to. Uh -huh. um, I'm still pretty new at being a non-commissioned officer, but I'm hoping that I can bring in things that I've learned from my past jobs and my current ones, um, making sure that people feel comfortable while also making sure that they get the things that they need to get done. done. Sure. It, it's it's hard learning how to lead people. I agree. <laughs> this is a great place to put it into practice, though. Yes. Uh, glad you're doing it. I um, appreciate it. Thank we you. We need enthusiastic people that are cheerful <laughs> and patient. Uh, you know, those skills just they'll last a lifetime. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> so getting into the military sometimes is a challenge. Sometimes it's, it's hard to make that step from a civilian occupation to getting into the military. Did you face any struggles or challenges just to get in the door and put a uniform on? Uh, yes. Uh, my issue originally was I needed to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> okay. Um, so that was a lot of hard work, especially considering I worked in a place like McDonald's. Mm -hmm. um, but it eventually got me. I eventually got to where I needed to be, and I've been hoping to stick with it as long as I can. Absolutely. Taylor, your dad is the one that really encouraged you to join the military. Yes. And but the hard work of getting in the door and putting the uniform was yours to own. Yes. What kept you motivated? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess a lot of it had to do with trying to make like my dad proud, my family proud. Um, I've always had a huge respect for the military and the things that they've done. Um, and I just kind of wanted to be a part of that. We're glad that you are. Hey, let's let's get into your book. Sure. Um, especially the the title. Nothing we're going to do here today. And and Taylor, I told you before I started the podcast, I, I get a little nervous. This is my first book review and an author interview, so yes. I'm like the new guy in the room. Bear with me, please. How did you choose the title and the genre? Of um, this book? So as far as the genre went, I have always been a really big. Uh, fiction person. I loved being able to be thrust into a different world that wasn't my own to play different roles that I didn't necessarily play and get to do things through other characters um, as far as like what they got to do and like their story. Mm -hmm. uh, the title <laughs> was actually really hard for me. I am not good at titles or names. So a lot of the time, like I'll go up to friends and be like, hey, you can name somebody. What would it be? Mm -hmm. um, as far as this went, we originally were going to go with just the Dragon Tamers, but there's actually another book out there called The Dragon Tamers. So we had to change it up a little bit. So we added um, my main character, Katia's name. Okay. How did you... Okay, you went into a little bit about how people helped you name the characters yes. in the book, but 
the development of those characters, that's all yours. Yes. Um, I did base some of the characters off of um, my friends, so they got to have a little extra, like, say in what they looked like and, like, kind of how they act. But, like, their words, um, their actions are most are me. Okay. Um, you mind reading a little bit to us? Absolutely. Okay. We'd love that. All righty. Let's so can you intro the section you're going to read just a little bit? Or you just want me to put, like, what chapter? Tell, tell us. Or? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so this is in Chapter 3. I tried to pick something that wasn't going to give too much away, but still kind of seem exciting. Great. Um, so uh, here we go. The only thing I could see was a pair of emerald jewels that stared at me from about eye level. The jewels were huge, much bigger than mine, and even though I couldn't see anything else, I knew the figure that owned these eyes were a lot larger than me. With that knowledge, I know I should be petrified, that I should want to run, but staring into the orbs looking back at me, I felt nothing but a wave of calm. I had no proof, but I knew in my being that these eyes were those of a friend. I smiled at the pair of eyes in front of me. I couldn't see who or what it was, but I felt so safe with it around, whole. Its own eyes softened as it continued to stare at me, and what I could only assume was its mouth opened. All I saw were sharp, glistening white fangs. Two words left his mouth, but I couldn't hear what they were. Thanks, you want to just go right on. <laughs> I really enjoyed reading your book, and I've got uh, full disclosure, I'm about 20 pages from the end, so... I can't spoil the end of the book. Um, can you take us through your writing process? I mean, that is so descriptive mm -hmm. of what the main character is going through in her mind. Um, take us through your writing process, because I think every every author is different, but it's a creative process, isn't it? Yes. Um, so actually, this story came from a dream that I had a while ago, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind, so I started writing it down. Uh, a lot of my process just comes from picking, um, I can either go off of like emotions. So like, depending on like what I'm feeling kind of goes off of what like happens in the story. So there are some angrier versions, um, some sadder portions, and it kind of all got based off of like how I was feeling in the moment. Um, but I like to be able to visualize what's happening, which is why I tend to be a little bit more descriptive and long-winded when it comes to trying to get specific scenes down. But it really does take the reader through what is in your mind. And, yes. And we, can, we can picture that as we're reading it along. Um, the characters themselves go through this journey in the book. Like every book has that beginning, middle, and end. And you're, the path that's chosen through this, I like to look at it through this lens of something that I had to work on and study through my whole professional career and that's this leadership journey what mm -hmm. makes a good leader you can start out in mcdonald's and get these great skills of leadership and apply them to every part of your life mm -hmm. katia does the same thing in the book and she goes through this leadership journey yes how did you come up with that plot that part of the plot was it on purpose or did it just evolve uh kind of a little of both um as far as the rest of the series goes i want to continue to grow this leader that I've imagined Katia being since I first had the thought of the story, but I wanted it to, to be a gradual thing where she learns to come into herself and learns to come into 
what she's basically been thrust into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Humility, personal struggle, <laughs> team building, and inspiration were just kind of some of those words that came to mind when I talk about, or when I think about the journey that the main character goes through. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that you? I definitely like to throw a little, a lot of myself into it. I definitely feel like Katya does have a lot of me in her as far as like her insecurities and wanting to be helpful and wanting to do, do the best that she can. Uh-huh. I um, We're going to get back to the book a little bit later on in sure. the podcast, but I want to talk about a little bit more um, about you. You you have an interesting hobby. <laughs> I and, have many interesting hobbies. <laughs> and, yep. And so I learned this about you in 2019. You went out to San Diego. Why would you go to San Diego, California in 2019, I, Taylor? I went to San Diego, California for the 2019 Comic-Con, which is a giant nerd convention for um, anime, comics, uh, TV shows, movies, anything you can possibly imagine. How did you get involved with that community? Um, I have been a huge nerd since I was a kid. Obviously, I write fiction novels, Um, but I... It got to be a really big staple for a lot of my friendships. Um, so, like, we tend to watch anime together. We tend to geek out a lot. Um, cosplaying has been our newest, but you know, most recent but fun thing that we've been able to do as a group. So, do you have a character that you play from anime? I have a couple. Okay. Um, the ones that I have done so far have been Urza Scarlet from Fairy Tale and Akame from Akame Got Kill. Um, one of my newer ones that I'm working on currently is Rimuru Tempest from that time I got reincarnated as a slime, which is, they're all phenomenal anime, and I will recommend them until I die. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to the big question, what's anime? <laughs> Uh, anime is a Japanese animated um, cartoon, for lack of a better word. Um, it is basically like a TV show um, that has a lot of uh, friendship, uh, self-discovery, journey, journey, saving the world, uh, everything like that. Okay. Um, you've got four different characters. One that is in development. Now, yes. when you go to Comic-Con, I assume... Um, there's not a lot of folks there wearing the camouflage that we wear every day at work here, right? Yes, that is correct. Self-described nerds, right? Yes. <laughs> is that a good term? For nerds yeah. or just, um, I've never thought of it as a bad thing. Okay. Um, I have embraced my nerdness, uh, even when I talk about uh, Comic-Con or conventions or anything. I call them nerd fest because a lot of people don't know what, if they hear convention or Comic-Con, they, they're like, what is that? Uh-huh. So I've just embraced it at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to a convention, leaving tomorrow. It's a military one. We're going to be sitting in briefings all day. Do you guys like sit and have briefings or what goes on at a Comic-Con? Uh, so there are definitely things where you can sit in and listen. They're called panels. So you can get um, voice actors from the characters and they will let you ask questions and they'll talk about their experience and like what's happening in the anime and what they're feeling for their characters. Um, there are a lot of shops that are there so you can buy anything and everything there. I purchased a uh, katana at one. So that was really cool. Um, 
They have uh, little party stations, game stations. It kind of depends on the convention, but they have a little bit of everything. Sounds uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> if, if you like hanging out with nerds and you like dressing up, yes. do people wear a lot of makeup? Some do. It depends on their uh, their cosplay, I'm sure, um, on how like the, the character looks and what they wear. Sure. So if you're going to be Deadpool, I probably wouldn't think that there'd be a lot of makeup just because you're in... A full body suit. Sure. Um, But if you're doing something like, uh, there's a character from My Hero Academia. Her name is Mina. She is pink. So there's a lot of people that will dye like their skin temporarily to get that cosplay down pat. And some of the ones I've seen have been amazing. That's commitment, right? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Is there another? There's one every year. Yes, I know that there are a couple. the one in San Diego is the biggest one that I know of. Okay. So every year. Yep. Okay. Aside from COVID. Okay. What do you call the person that does all the uh, makeup for Comic Con? I mean, a lot of the people that I know, I just do it themselves. The, so. No, wrong. Sorry. A Comic Con artist. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> cool joke, Dad. You can go ahead and say it. That was. <laughs> I didn't catch it at first. Not even funny a little bit. <laughs> Taylor Staples, airman, author, and a great character that we have here, part of the 133rd Wing family. Um, can you stick around with me through the break? Absolutely. Okay. Tech Sergeant Jesse Todd from our recruiting staff is going to give us a little information on the opportunities for others uh, to join us, fitting the stereotype and not fitting the stereotype. There's room for everybody here in the Guard, especially the 133rd. Stick around. Hey, this is Sergeant Todd with the 133rd Recruiting Office. Just want to let everyone know, every job for everybody has a $3,000 sign-on bonus up to a $20,000 sign-on bonus. So if you know anyone, family, friends, if you are on active duty, looking at Palace Chase, Palace Front, if you are coming in fully qualified, you are eligible for up to a $20,000 bonus. Marine Corps, Navy, Coast Guard, Army, does not matter. We would love to have you part of the 133rd family. There is a spot for you. Please give me a call, 612-505-6799. Again, this is Sergeant Todd. 612-505-6799. Thanks, Sergeant Todd. I managed to convince Sergeant Taylor Staples to stick around and uh, go into our book a little bit more with me. And you and I were discussing on the break that uh, you are midway through book number two in the series. Yes. I don't want to ask you to what's going on with the characters because you'll certainly spoil it for me. And I will do my best not to. <laughs> but uh, as an author, um, you've already written one. It's been published. Yes. And, and again, congratulations on that because that's a hard thing to do. Um, but how is it going into it, book number two in a series? Is it easier? Is it harder? What are the challenges you're facing? I would definitely say it's a little bit of both uh, easier because I know that the storyline is good enough for someone to actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, Harder because now I can't change things if I realize something doesn't quite work out for what I was planning. Sure. Um, Just as far as like 
what I had planned and if things changed and now like I have to make sure that I stick without creating any plot holes unnecessarily. Yeah, it's because you would hate to have those happen. I would. I'll self-confess that I'm a Star Wars nerd. Oh. And so with all the new Star Wars stuff that's coming out, I read what my fellow Star Wars nerds have said about this plot hole yep. or this bad character or all that. And it's like, how do you how do you deal with the stress of keeping all that managed and organized? Because I forget stuff. How do you keep track of your characters? It's a lot of going back and forth. Um, definitely reading what I have already written, going back into the first book to verify, like, as far as, like, where I was in the, like, the timeline, um, such as, like, the month and, like, what was going on at this point. Uh, being able to... Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. I apologize. Keeping track of your characters. Yep, yeah. yep. Just keeping track of their, even their characteristics. Like, what am I losing with what's going on? What do I have to backtrack on to make sure that I don't I haven't just completely rewritten the character mistakenly it's kind of hard even going into a little bit of detail here right now because you're trying to yeah not give anything up in the middle of of describing the process yes um do you have an end for the series yet how many books could we expect so I am hoping four um but I'm thinking at least three uh, it kind of depends on whether or not what I'm writing currently is exciting and plotline uh, relevant to what I want or if I'm just writing it to write it down just because I think it's fun and something that needs to be. Um, but, yeah, uh, I do have a tentative ending. I know where I want to go, but I have two different ways that I want to go about it. So it's depending on how I feel about things <laughs> without getting too specific. I'm not going to ask you if Katya and Mason fall in love and get married, <laughs> but I'm already wondering about that budding romance in book number one. Am I giving too much away on that? Um, there's definitely more that goes into it um, as far as I know, mm. and I know what is going on in every character's minds. And because it is based on Katia's point of view, she has no idea. Uh So um, it'll definitely get a little bit more complicated um, and a little bit more uh, hard for the two of them. I'll just uh, let you leave it at that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally okay. Um, But I'm I'm enjoying the relationships that you're building with the people in the book. It's a big kind of team that Katia is leading and, they're all really diverse characters, and they're yes. <laughs> going through this training and their this development. And uh, um, having been a former educator teaching mm-hmm. in an elementary school, I kind of identified with one of the characters. Um, do you mind if I read a little bit? Oh, please. Okay, so um, this is really early in the book. They are at the academy where they learn how to train their dragons. Yes, I'm just gonna stop at that because there's more mystery around it I'm trying really hard uh but i i kind of identified with the uh, uh one of the teachers mr madrano um so thank you for allowing me yeah. mr madrano stalked through the classroom the man was a monster standing taller than anyone else i'd ever seen here i think we had been told once he was six feet eight inches tall 
and he had a body of pure muscle. Even with him being 50 years old, he was still as spry as ever. I also knew that his little act right now of being the terrifying dominating teacher was also a complete hoax. The chestnut-skinned man hovered around his desk, hazel eyes glaring over the class as the new first years cowered under him. Without warning, the terrifying man enveloped into a fit of boisterous, gut-rolling laughter. All of the first years looked around to see how the rest of us were handling the sudden shift of demeanor. I love that character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, great, it's a great description and so many different teachers in that. Did you base any of those teachers on actual instructors you had growing up? Um, kind of. Uh, it was just kind of wanted to give like a difference of personality. I wanted to show that even though they did the same thing, that they were all different in personality, that it wasn't just a cookie cutter um, mold that Dragon Tamers were born out of. Love, love the description in that one. Um, I am hoping that some of this, uh, some of the experiences at the Academy actually continue it without giving too much away in the book. It's, uh, um, I'm enjoying that part of it. Mm -hmm. All the learning that goes on, all the team building that goes on, even in a fantasy book, it's nice to take something out of that and a little bit more yes. as we go along. Okay. Um, what do you call the person who does makeup for people at Comic-Con? A comic artist. <laughs> That's one of my new favorite dad jokes. Um, okay, so you ready to play a little quick answer? Sure. Okay, here we go. Uh, favorite band? Set it off. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh, that's hard. I got to go with Harry Potter. You're a good nerd. <laughs> Are you a fall person or a spring person? Fall. Double sword or bow? Ooh, double sword. Uh, ABU or OCPs? Ooh, OCPs for sure. Best thing about growing up in Minnesota? Ooh, sports. Big Mac or Whopper? Big Mac. I kind of do. <laughs> Comic-Con art uh, character best suited for me? Oh. Uh, there's so many. Yeah, I'm going to let you get back to that and let your, your, your imagination flow a little bit. Uh now I'm going to have to go back and look it up when you tell me the answer. <laughs> I introduced you at the beginning of our podcast and said you're guard bumming. Yes. That's something, for those of you that are on the active duty side or had never worn a uniform before, being a part of the guard, the Air National Guard, Army National Guard, it's one week in a month, two weeks or more a year. Mm -hmm. Guard bumming is a little bit different. Can you describe what that is? So uh, guard bombing is basically just finding any sort of orders or technician status that allows me to come back every day, wear the uniform, do the job, but it's not a full-time gig. <laughs> Why is that a good thing? Um, for me, it allows me to expand my horizons. Um, I've been very blessed with being able to do not only med group, but LRS as well. Um, so I'm able to gain a different uh, hindsight about a, another unit, um, also expanding the amount of people that I get to know and the job processes and what goes on in different parts, which normally I wouldn't be able to know sticking with one unit. Um, but it also gives me a foot in the door to try and get a full-time position. Is that a goal out here? That is my goal, yes. 
Okay. Having experience in two different of the big organizations that are out here is, uh, it gives you a diverse perspective. Yes. Uh, but on drill weekends, you go from working in our logistics readiness squadron, the LRS, uh, you go back to the medical group, right? I do. What do you take from LRS back to your other unit? Um, I tend to do a lot of uh, swapping of information. Um, so as far as like anything needing like clothing related, which is the job that I'm doing now, um, as far as like OCPs, um, any uh, mobility stuff, I have the information and I'm usually the one that everyone goes to okay. when they have questions like that. All right. Um, and what's your job with medical group? I am a search and extraction medical technician. Okay. So you work with our surf team. Yes. Okay. The folks that go to a big disaster and get people out of the disaster, give them some medical care and move them forward. Yes. That's the best describer? Yes. Okay. How long have you been with them? Uh, six years. Okay. So since you started with Yes. This. I have been with them the entire time. Awesome. Um, got kind of an obscure question for you, so I like to throw a little history in these. So you share some similarities with an award-winning author, a different award-winning author from Minnesota oh. by the name of Robert Allen Zimmerman. Ever hear of him? I have not. I'll bet you have. Uh, in fact, um, in 2016, Mr. Zimmerman won the Nobel Prize in Literature. And one of the ties that bind you with this author is the fact that he wrote a song about the main road through your hometown. Really? Yeah, what's the main road? Uh, 80? No. Oh my goodness. So you're talking about, is it? The big highway. Yep. I don't know the That's, name of the highway. I just know I go through street. it every day. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, so Highway 61. In fact, the song is called Highway 61 Revisited. And he's played many characters in his life as well. Really? So you have four plus your regular Taylor Staples that you play. Yeah. He's played a lot of different characters. In fact, about 11 oh, different wow. names this guy has had, um, including his most famous. So let's just say that you and Mr. Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan, all right, yeah, so the, no one can see the eyes bug out of your oh. head. So, yeah. so uh, you and the Minnesota author Bob Dylan and songwriter are sharing a story, uh, sharing story ideas for a song that he's about to write, sharing a nice cold green belt beer, because that's also from Minnesota. What would you tell him would be a great topic for a song for today's audience? Um, that is a good question. Um, I definitely go with something along the lines of resiliency um, after 2020 and COVID and just everything we haven't been able to get to 100% normalcy is what we used to be. Um, and I think our resiliency has been a big one that we've been able to prove that we have as far as just being humans go. It's a hopeful message. <laughs> what uh what gives you hope that you would want him to put into a song? Um, my family and friends. Okay. They've always stuck beside me um, through thick and thin, through my problems and my hardships. Um, just being able to have them by my side to give me the confidence when I don't necessarily always have it. 
everybody struggles and goes through stuff. Yes. Sometimes the best stories and songs are written about the hard the stuff. Hardships, when you mentioned yeah. resiliency and wanting a song about people that have gone through the hard stuff, what's been hard? Uh, COVID's been a big one. Um, but last year I ended up losing my stepbrother to suicide. Uh, so having to watch my family uh, go through that and trying to bounce back up after that loss has been a struggle. Um, I've definitely cried a lot since then, and I still continue when I think about him every once in a while. But I know that he's watching us and trying to give us the strength that he didn't feel he needed, he yeah. had. Do you... Um you mentioned your family and mm -hmm. struggling together as a family. Yeah. Um, there, there are so many different ways that families help one another. Um, how did your family do through that when it came to helping one another through something that you were all going through that was difficult? Uh, we checked in on each other a lot. Um, I still check in on my stepmother because she lost her son. Um, just making sure that she's okay, letting her know that I'm still here whenever she needed me. Um, and I've had the same with every with my family members. Uh, my other brothers and I weren't really close, and we've been able to uh, talk a little bit more. We have, you know, stuff planned out for, like, a memorial tattoo, but we just haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> um. It, I've heard a lot of people do that tattoo thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, just kind of one of those ties that bind. Um, making sure that the people that you care about in your life feel that, feel yes. cared about and respected. And that's one of the things that you know, I really like to take that opportunity to say, hey, make sure that the people in your life feel cared about and respected. 100%. Um, getting that right is a struggle we all go through in life. Yes. It, it really, really is. Um but trying, I think, is something that goes a long way. Yes. When, we, when we talk about uh, suicide prevention, suicide awareness, especially with military members, that's a struggle for, for our community yep. out here. Um, relationships is number one, and number two is job stress. Yes. Uh, you seem to have that job stress thing figured out. I'm still waiting for an answer on the Comic-Con character best suited to me, but I'll let you keep on working on that one. Um Hey, you, uh, you're one of those folks out here that shows a huge degree of self-confidence, you know, to just embrace the nerdiness, Yes, I, which I just really appreciate. Have you always been that way? No, uh, I have not. I have actually been pretty self-conscious, uh, and I guess arguably I still have some things that I'm very self-conscious on. Uh, a lot of it is just making sure that, like, as far as, like, younger uh, airmen, they see more, the more confident and people see me as more confident so that they know that they can trust me for things. And that is what helps me gain confidence is being known, is knowing that people confide and have their faith, have faith in me to be able to do the things that need to get done. It's kind of that sense of, of empathy yes. that, <laughs> that gets you to have, the, instill that in other people. Yes. Um, what advice would you have for people that struggle with that, especially in the military side? We're supposed to be confident, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of drummed into us, drummed into our foreheads when we show up to basic training. And yet there's a lot of us that 
join just struggling with that. Yeah. Especially when you throw the uniform on. What advice do you have, especially for the troops maybe that you're leading now, on developing a good sense of self and self-confidence? I'd say keep working at it. Um, I know that it is a day-to-day struggle, and I know that I still struggle with it. But as long as you keep working on it, as long as you keep, even if it's just a fake it for the day so that you don't think people are, so you don't feel like people are losing confidence in you, but also to make sure that like you can talk to someone about it, that you're not alone and that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Everything is. There's somebody out here that cares about you. Yes. And uh, having that sense of hope in the future is um, its an important thing. Yes. Leaders get to instill that in other people, right? That is the hope. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm glad that you're, you're in that spot. Um, when it comes to the confidence that you need to have to move forward in, um, and instilling that in other people, writing is kind of a lonely job. It is. Uh, <laughs> But you also are somebody that empowers other people and gets them to feel confident in their writing. Yes. Tell me what you've been doing in that regard. Oh, yes. Um, So me and a group of friends uh, got together and we created a little Authors Guild uh, so that we could keep each other accountable for our own writings. Um, All of us have, will, and do want to become accomplished authors. So this was just a way to make sure that we stayed on top of ourselves and to get uh, constructive feedback from each other about how the writing was going, um, any things that we felt like needed to get added in order to make it better. How do you find people that are interested in being in an author's guild? And second question, does it all have to be the same genre? Does everybody have to be interested in the same thing? Or does like a diverse viewpoint and diverse perspective a genre make it a better community? Um, so all of us don't have the same genre. Um, we do have a lot of fantasy, but there is a mystery thriller uh, author that is in our little guild. Um, as far as coming to join it, it was just like we started it, and as we met people who were also interested, we kind of just like, we're like, come, come and join us, like uh, and to build our little guild and to um, help build us as writers. How often does that group get together? Um, so with COVID and everything, we haven't been able to have like a ton of um, like face-to-face meetings. Um, but I, we have a Facebook group um, that we just, I message on. Um, we had been doing weekly or bi-weekly topics, um, depending on just what we wanted to do, um, just to make sure that we kept writing. So we did like character profiles. We've done um, synopsis on the book we were working on. Uh, we did like back cover blurbs. It was all things that I had had to work with with trying to get my stuff done and um, what I had looked into about what was needed. Um, so like having that stuff already. So like the synopsis, back cover blurbs, bi- author bios, it's all something that you need to put into a packet to get it sent off. Sure. Um, anybody by the name of Robert Zimmerman in your writer's guild? No. <laughs> Bob Dylan isn't either? No, unfortunately oh. <laughs> not. But if he wanted to join, he's more than welcome to. Um, when it comes to getting published as an author, that's a big deal. It is. How hard is that? Tell us about that process. So I ended up lucking out 
really well. Um, Master Sergeant Mandy Johnson, she knew my publisher on a personal level and was able to get me a meeting with my publisher and it kind of just got hit off from there. I sent her my book. She read the first 30 pages, got back to me saying that she loved it, and it kind of all fell into place for me. As far as other um, places, I know that you have to send in packets um, and then they read through and then it goes from there and you get a yay nay kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very prepared for a lot of rejection, (laughs) as heartbreaking as it would have made me. (laughs) And you didn't have to go through that. I did not. I lucked out really well. That is fantastic. It's it's a testament to the type of book and the way that you've developed your characters in the plot, Mm because I'm seeing that. Um, And I told you when I, this is not my genre that I normally would pick up, uh, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Who's the audience? What age group do you think? Um, so I kind of went through uh, teenage years. I think if you go online, it's like 13 to 18. Um, I have had a couple of uh, younger readers um, look at it and have enjoyed it so far. And I've also had uh, people very much older read it and tell me they've enjoyed it as well. So it's kind of a wide variety, but I know that it's focused on 13 to 18. Right, in those middle school, high school years. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, I want to thank author and staff sergeant Taylor Staples for joining me today on Beneath the Wing. This has been fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Special thanks to Rebecca Willenbrink for the uh, market research or subject research that she uh, she helped me with in developing the questions and getting a little bit of... uh, a good dirt on Taylor Staples, and thanks as always to Amy Lovegren for her expertise in production excellence. I hope you join me next time on Beneath the Wing when we'll feature another one of our great stories of strength and success here at the 133rd Airlift Wing. Uh, one thing, uh, last thing to mention, uh, new in our country has been a hotline. If you or someone you know is considering um, any uh, suicidal actions, um, please dial 988 if you are part of our military community. There are people there specifically trained to help you in that regard, uh, and that's the first thing that you get to uh, select. So please take that seriously um, and join me next time on Beneath the Wing. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you.